Yes, you're gonna have people turn their backs, but it's time for us to keep it real. Just keep talking that real, bro. Do what you do, I know what you do, so keep doing that. Talk the real. The HBI lads will see you now. See you now. I don't want to cause no problems. Mm-hmm. I just want to live my life, but I keep on hearing about nonsense. All right, we're on. We're recording. All right, and we're back. HBI podcast, health, business, and in between. My name is Dr. Nathan Bridger. I am a chiropractor and strength and conditioning coach working out of North Fremantle Chiropractic in Perth, Western Australia. And I am joined by the boys. And not that, uh, well, actually, pretty good TV show on stand. Or, no, Prime. I'm Prime. Don't yeah. sue me. Uh, but I am joined by the team first, starting in the bottom corner, a man that can't control his time zones. He's the master of escaping COVID. He is the osteopath of the team. Dr. Daniel Kirkbride, how are you this morning? Yeah, not bad, mate. Uh, it's still life. morning there, mate. Do you know what time it is? He's Houdini, bro. He's Houdini. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't even know where I am, mate. <laughs> I think it's like, we should also, yeah, Dr. Daniel Kirkbride, a.k.a. Mr. Channel 9. Uh, hey. The local, local, local celebrity. The man myth. I didn't honestly listen to it with the sound on, so I have no idea what was going on, but I assume good things were said. I was waiting for you to take the mask off when you got interviewed. I was like, don't do it. Like, oh, mate, I was so close. <laughs> my course, all right. <laughs> Sign up to his course about how to be a celebrity osteopath. All right, there it is. All right. And then joining me on the left bottom corner, this man is, I'm trying to do a bush... Bruce Buffer accidentally here. I don't know why I was going to be. Oh, this. Oh, you do look a little Brazilian there, Mina. We'll go with it. All right. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> he is the, the, sorry, I lost that one. The My Body Clinic extraordinaire, Mr. Mina Garris, my therapist. How are we? I'm great. I'm great. Good to be back and good to see all you boys again. Yeah, mate. It is a pleasure being back in front of everybody. And of course, last but definitely not least, in my top corner, the man with the filthiest mullet in town. He's starting fires left, right, and center on the internet at the moment. He's your therapist, Ben Humphreys. How are you? I'm good, bro. Um, I'm a good fire starter, that's for sure. But yeah, I think my, my mullet, I don't know if you boys can see it in, in all its fucking glory. It's hectic. It's getting out of control, Benny. No, it's almost as long as Nathan's uh, beard. I saw, I saw the old handsome swine put up a picture of it. I was like... The fact he, he allowed himself to do that, I, I have real questions for him, honestly. <laughs> that was filthy, wasn't it? All right, what are we talking about today? So today... Well, it was, we had a hot question today. Big, big hot question from the man, the myth, who's just exited from stage left all of a sudden to run some business in the background, Mr. Mina Garris. <clears throat> Mina's been getting a lot of questions, apparently, about adjustments or spinal manipulative therapy. And, you know essentially what it is, where it has use, where, you know, when to refer for it, you know, and so, a bunch of other simple things. So we thought we'd run a little bit of, uh, I guess, Q&A for spinal manipulative therapy today. Is that, uh, I believe that's where we're heading. Everybody's on board. Dan looks very keen. Mate, how do you, I like how the head still is immaculate in front of the headphones. Has anyone else noticed this? Is, is All those on the video podcast, you are missing out. Like, if you're not on, you've got to get around it. an interview with Channel 9 again. I had another one. Man, I feel like he's got <laughs> let's that. Not, let's not talk about hair, boys. He's got that filter <laughs> on where it always makes you look beautiful, right? Yeah. Oh, hey, is that Sky in the background? Do I see Sky just rolling in the background? Just having a nap. 
There's not much room to escape in this apartment. So. <laughs> I was like, I just swear I saw a foot. <laughs> well, for, again, for all those on the video podcast, things are getting real. So, you know, we've just introduced the idea that we're going to be chatting about spinal manipulative therapy adjustments today. Since you're leading this one off, do you want to start with a couple of Q, Q, quick Q&As and then we can get a bit deeper as we get going along? A few Qs. Yeah, so a, a few questions that I've kind of been asked and it's quite general questions and I really wanted to get this advice from professionals such as yourself around a couple of good questions. When do I need an adjustment um, and what if my muscles are really tight, will the adjustment work? There's a really big one I've been getting. Second question is, I generally crack my neck a lot myself. Will that cause me to get arthritis in my neck if I keep doing it over a long period of time? Um, what would be the difference between a chiro adjustment versus an osteo adjustment? Um, and could these things potentially lead to any dangers? That's a lot of questions there. Bam, it's going hard. It's going hard. Yeah. What was the first uh, one? <laughs> What's the first one? I was like, what, did you put your hand up? You want to answer there, mate? Is that what's going on? No. Nope. All right. <clears throat> I'm going to, I'll lead in on first one here. So when to refer for an adjustment? I mean, yeah. listen, again, that's going to be how long is a piece of string. But in my mind, Correct. I mean, it's when I work on it, it's my profession. It's one of our primary tools we use. You know, any kind of pain, dysfunction, tends, there's usually going to be a role that possibly spinal manipulative therapy could play, right? Again, it's, this is the thing we always have to remember when it comes to seeing a health practitioner, that the primary reason you go to see someone is for an evaluation, not a treatment specific modality. So you're not going for the fire cupping. You're not going for the adjustment. You're not going for the needling. You're, not, you're going because that person has an expertise in figuring out what's going on. Mm. And then the, whatever the therapy is after is what they deem appropriate to help that. Right. And like everything, there's a million different ways to help things. Yeah. So where I think particularly spinal manipulative therapy comes into play is joint injuries and, you know, particularly spinal facet injuries, things like that, where the joint service themselves perhaps have issues and we can get a deeper sort of movement and deeper sort of help to an area that perhaps we couldn't get from more general sort of soft tissue work yeah, more externally. Yeah, that makes sense. Dan, you want to jump in on that? Uh, yeah, that's pretty well answered. Um, <clears throat> I think similar to you, it's just like it's not really, I, I don't look at it in isolation. I think about it in more of like assessing someone overall and then figuring out which modality is going to be the best based off what's in front of me um, and integrating it all into a more you know, um, complete management plan rather than like isolating one thing. I don't think I'd ever really do one thing at a time. It would be more so looking at, okay, you know, um, maybe I can use the adjustment for this short term acute change in range of motion, especially when you're saying like facet joints, you know, spinal stuff. And how can that work in well with, you know, potentially other techniques like, you know, cupping, needling, uh, with the idea of, you know, all this stuff is just having a short term, you know, neurophysiological effect of increasing range of motion, desensitizing, whatever you want to call it essentially, so that we can get them into their gym or you know, get them going through their exercises. So, yeah, that's my view uh, on it. And, and that question's kind of coming from like a lot of clients are like, oh, if I knew this at the start, then I would have, you know, seen this person. So as, as a client, uncertain of what they've got, you know, how do they make an informed decision around, you know, not kind of the treatment type, but, you know, when would I need to see a chiro, for example, versus an osteo? Um, a lot of people still get quite confused. So I think it's a really good point there that you say, you're not going there for the adjustment, you're going there for the assessment. 
Um, and I think that's a really, really, really big takeaway for clients because a lot of the time, what you think it might be versus what you need are two completely different things. So mm. uh, I think you guys absolutely nailed that question. Um, and I think that's something I'll be you know, carried forward to and speaking to clients about. So thank you, boys. That's, that's really good. And I'll just jump on the back end of that question as well about the, like, if your muscles are tight, can it work? Mm. Absolutely. Because, you know, if, you, if you're well trained and you know what you're doing, you should be able to provide an adjustment to someone irrespective of, you know, muscle tension. Now, as the caveat to that, like I, full disclosure, do a lot of soft tissue work as part of my treatment protocols mm-hmm. because I do find that makes an adjustment easier. If anything, that's just to make it more comfortable for the client and at the same time, more comfortable in my body so I'm not having to, you know, use an undue amount of force to make something do what it needs to do. Now, yeah. there's definitely situations um, acute facet syndromes, torticollis like things where I almost find that you need to almost avoid the soft tissue before doing it because it can further aggravate an already locked up area. Yeah. But they're quite unique cases and they're very case specific. So in general, do you need soft tissue to get an adjustment? No. Is it going to hurt? Absolutely not. And I think that you're getting a secondary benefit anyway. So mm. there are so there are definitely groups of crew that just do like within, I don't know about osteo, within Cairo that just do manual adjustments. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. In the end of the day, I think this comes back to uh, the first word in uh, Ben's new business title, which is results. If you're getting the result, it's fine, right? Like if it takes a person five minutes or a hundred minutes, as long as you're getting the result, you're getting the result, right? If they use adjustments, they use soft tissue, they don't touch you and they just give you exercise work. If you're getting the tangible result, we're good to go. If you're not, then we need to have a hard discussion about what's actually going on. Absolutely. I think touching on that, even a bit deeper on the, the physiology and sort of anatomy and that sort of thing, many you mentioned stuff about how will it influence soft tissue tonicity and all that sort of shit at the end of the day this is what i explain yeah. to my clients i'm like i always combine as where where appropriate chiropractic treatment with the type of like myotherapy sort of remedial physio yeah. soft tissue work that we do because at the end of the day the spine the spine houses a spinal cord right all messages yeah. travel f- through the central nervous system throughout to the peripheral nervous system so therefore if you're uh changing uh, uh reducing your subluxation or whether you're changing the mechanics centrally where the the origin of these um signals are coming from these signals then obviously supply the muscular system and they will dictate the tonicity of the musculoskeletal system so therefore if you're adjusting something centrally it's going to have a uh, a flow on effect to the the structures that the nerve is supplying so i find that um as nate said whether you do a bit of soft tissue work before whether you don't do any at all he said you know there's obviously several variables involved there but i find that the the adjustment will you know usually reduce the tonicity if it's done well of the the muscle tissue which will then you know integrate very very well with introducing rehab you know, and if you throw in more soft tissue work on top of that, it's just like, that's where the money is. I think the hybridization of, you know, the hands-on manual therapy, soft tissue stuff, the cupping, electrodynamic, whatever, as well as combination with the uh, adjustments on the spine, especially. So, and that's where I guess osteopaths almost, I believe that's sort of their ground, the middle ground. They can, yeah. They're trained to do 
all things quite well. And then it's up to, I guess, the practitioner as they develop professionally and personally where they want to head to with their specific qualifications, I guess. Awesome. Love it. And I think that's a, it's a pretty well-rounded answer. And it kind of answered the next question, which I get a lot of, you know, uh, who do I see at Cairo and Osteo, right? Um, and I think, again, going back to the original answer from Nathan is around, you know, we all kind of have our in-depth ability to, to diagnose and, and see where you issue. And then the practitioner will then refer you if it's not within their scope or if they feel you're going to get a better treatment elsewhere. So I think that kind of answers that question. Um, I think a really big question uh, that gets asked is, well, what's that sound that we get through through manipulation? So um, can you guys kind of elaborate a little bit on that? Um, can you guys elaborate on what that sound is and what it does? Um, I might just jump in quickly as well. Um, just sure. on the thing before about, <laughs> yeah, just on the thing about in terms of like who I see, Cairo versus Osteo. I think um, like Ben said, yeah, like we're, the way I see Osteo is we're pretty well rounded, but I think um, it's almost to a detriment to a certain degree in terms of like, I reckon when we come out of uni, we're a solid six out of 10 or seven out of 10 at everything, but not really a master of anything compared to the way I see Cairo. Like I know it's just from, you know, Osteo and Cairo studied together at RMIT and um, I would definitely feel more comfortable with a Cairo versus an Osteo initially. But then I think when you start to, um, you know, go down, go down your own individual path and to get better at it, like I've definitely spent a lot of time there learning off people like Nathan and other Cairo's who have helped me. But I think, um, yeah, like I'd say, Cairo is definitely generally would be the master of the adjustments and Osteo is probably a little bit, little bit uh, coming in second. But um, yeah, I think that definitely comes down to individual um, practitioner rather than the overall um, industry. Yeah, like, like I'll jump on that as well. Like I think for myself now, I no longer when I'm looking to refer a client, I'm not looking for necessarily a chiropractor. I'm looking for the right person. Mm. And just like I That's often it. think, sometimes the actual professions are relevant. It's just finding the right practitioner. Yeah. So 100%. it's been a nice shift, to be honest. So coming 100%. back to let's, we'll come full circle back to Mina's question about what the noise is. So obviously most people still think it's bones being cracked and I want to stop that right now and say that that is completely a myth. That is why I want to miss that one. <laughs> we are literally just what you're hearing is a gaseous exchange from a joint surface, right? So within every joint surface, there is a, a, a relative pressure, which allows a certain amount of motion and not too much motion. If you kind of think of like, as you reduce volume, you increase pressure. Thank you, Dan, for reminding me about the laws the other week. Um, and so Jesus. that limits certain ranges of motion, right? When we see dysfunction at a joint, we will often see limits in range of motion. What we are temporarily doing is basically gapping the joint surface, allowing an exchange of gas, which is the noise you hear, what we call a cavitation. And then we get an increase, a reduction in pressure, which allows as one of the things that happens an increase in range of motion. Love it. Well, that was a good explanation. Yeah, so it's, it's a very, very common question. And um, I remember I know as a kid, every single time I used to crack my knuckles, I crack my fingers at home and go, oh, stop, you're going to get arthritis. So can we myth bust this one as well? Will it cause? Not the myth bust it now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, nah. Short answer, no. <laughs> now, like, I think one thing, that your next question, I think, was about if I crack my neck all the time kind of thing. Now, there's something I often people, people tell me how they crack their own backs and they crack their own neck. Now I've been doing this for the better part of a decade. I cannot adjust myself. And I want, just want to throw that out. Like I can make parts of my body go pop. Don't get me wrong. 
mm. but I cannot adjust myself. So there's a big difference there. between make. Well, the other thing is like specific adjustment. Well, general, adjustment. general, like when you, oh, it's not even about specificity, right? It's about it is to a point because we know from research that you can only be so specific, right? Mm. Like what we think we're moving and what's moving is often two different things. But when we're moving and we're just cracking things ourselves, we're generally just picking on a singular area that's already probably has increased mobility. So it's easy to move. So we're probably not. And again, some of this is theoretical. We're not getting what we're looking for out of it. What we're probably getting is just quick changes in neurophysiology, which is making things feel dandy. And then moments later, what people tend to tell me is that used to feel great for a while. Now they have to do it more and more and more. And I have seen multiple cases, uh, mostly in couple of teenagers but a couple of adults too where they did it so often it almost turned into a Tourette's tick where yeah. they will look at you and like every 30 seconds they'll be like tilting their neck like they're trying to crack it and they have no like no idea that they actually do it so listen can it become it's almost like crack right <laughs> don't yeah. get addicted to crack as I like to say in the office right because <laughs> um, a lot of the time this is one of the things that we didn't touch on before with the manipulation a cavitation is not an indication that a manipulation was successful there are times where we want to put force or movement through a joint but we don't need a change in range of motion so we're trying to get movement through there but i don't need an increase in range i'm not expecting a cavitation i'm not looking for it in fact it's almost counterindicated for what i want so mm. and there are people that are just very non-cavitary anyone yeah. who's adjusted my mid-back will know all about it but I still get great response by having movement through the area. So we have to get, even as practitioners, we get a, need to get away from, you know, getting addicted to the crack. But Absolutely. back to the question, you know, like definitely, you know, general mobility and stuff like that. If your body's releasing, totally fine. But if you're just trying to gun for it all the time, you're probably not doing yourself a service. Mm. I think that's a, I think a good point here is that obviously we all want short-term relief, right? But I, what I, what I'm finding, especially the chiropractic with Maddie, who purely yeah, Matt at Thrive will just purely do the adjustments and that's it. And basically, even for the soft tissue work and stuff that we do, like the thing is, we're all designed to live for a while, right? And obviously, short-term relief is good because all that matters is here and now. But I find, especially with his, I guess, um, philosophies and the way he practices, it's, it's, it's moving things towards you know, full function and understanding that one adjustment is not going to change, you know, a mild scoliosis or whatever it may be. So I find that it's over time, it's the consistency and the, um, the frequency in which the chiropractic works really well for me. So over time, you know, you might see shifts in a scoliosis. You might see shifts in, um, yeah, you might see shifts in, you know, uh, the, the mechanics and the alignment of the spine, but it's just something that I think is achieved over a long period of time. And it's quite a consistent sort of uh, treatment that you need to achieve those results. Well, I think like this goes for any treatment, right? Like or yeah. anything in life, everything we do is usually a matter of us behaving our way into something. Yeah. And if we want an improvement, we have to behave our way back out. Now, certain things like jobs and all this can limit your ability on behavior, but the simple expectation needs to be that all treatment or work is part of a plan for long-term results. Right. Obviously, we want to feel better, mm. but if we want true results, we're going to have to work at things for a while. Yeah, yep. perfect. 
Now, the big question, I think, was question four there from Mr. Mina. Do you want to lead that one in? Um, yeah, I think for me, I think you guys kind of just answered it anyway. It was just the difference between, um, you know, who I'd see between a Cairo or, or, or an Osteo. Uh, but I think you guys answered that quite, quite well. There's one last one there that I think everybody always wants to ask. I'm going to, as I allude to it. Are there any dangers? Everybody is oh, are yes, there yes. dangers, right? Everyone yes. always wants to know, like, are you going to break my body in half? And oh, uh, yes, are, you gonna, are you going to pull a, like, what is it, old, um, an Arnie on me and, like, touch my neck and I'm going to yeah. fall and die Hit and have a stroke? Yeah. Have some kind of stroke thing going on here. Yeah. Dan, do you want to oh, yeah. start this and I'll, uh, I'll finish the party at the end here? Yeah, sure. Um, Sweet. So, yeah, I think overall, um, I mean, there's plenty of research on it. Like, it's overall uh, a very safe process when it's um, assessed thoroughly. I think that's the biggest thing with any technique. If you, if you don't do it, it's not a match in terms of the technique and the person, then that's where you're going to run into trouble or potential trouble. So, um, you know, manipulating any area. Are we talk about the neck or just in general manipulation? Whole body. Oh, Whole yeah, body. Whole body. General. Yeah, so just general manipulations. I think the, the obvious ones are going to be, obviously, um, any sort of bony dysfunction, you know, someone that might have... Uh, osteoporosis process or severe osteoarthritis things like that that are really developed and you know they're got a lower bone mineral density and stuff like that where high amounts of force might not be the best option but again even then it's a case-by-case um scenario um the other ones to be thinking of will be you know maybe really really acute injury trauma fracture some of those ones yeah. but generally obviously with all these things um you know if you're screening effectively and have a good assessment process take a good thorough case history um and err on the side of caution and safety when you're progressing maybe on in the first session you don't do the adjustment and you see how people respond to treatments and then go from there um you're going to be pretty safe i think it's more so people get themselves in trouble when they just uh when you hear about the really um, bad cases or people getting hurt it's obviously they haven't gone through that process or you know maybe yeah. it's a, a freak a freak accident where, yeah yeah you know, shit happens essentially but in most scenarios if you're following those prompts and doing the right things and having duty of care then it's generally pretty safe perfect yeah, absolutely like perfect. With any intervention, there's going to be risks, right? We have to be completely upfront with that. You know, take pan- you take Panadol over the counter and we know that approximately 1,000 to 2,000 people a year die from that, right? So everything has a risk. Most of risks when it comes to manual therapy or spinal manipulative therapy as an inclusion in that is general muscular soreness 24 to 48 hours after, right? So that is our 99%. If we are going to pull sore, that's what we're going to get. Mm. Obviously due to the nature of the movements, there are some other risks that come with it. Like Dan alluded to, usually it's because the person has an underlying deficiency. Some of that can be screened out. Some of it cannot. So, you know, I've had um, seen incidences and case studies where someone, you know, cracked a rib or cracked a vertebra, um, but someone had an underlying tumor in that that couldn't be screened out. And in some ways it happening allowed them to find out there was no long-term repercussions, right? The final one I'm just real quickly through here is the one that everyone brings up is the risk of stroke with the neck adjustments. Our research is pretty clear these days that says that it almost is a non-causative factor. What they do think has happened in the past is you're getting people with a stroke in process and people often don't realize that strokes aren't as aggressive as they often seem to be. Mm. And they have one of the major symptoms is neck pain and headaches. And they usually present to a chiro, osteo, GP, right? They did a massive study in Canada many years back comparing all of the presentations of this stroke. They compared them to GP offices and chiro offices and they found the same rate of them. And the chiros aren't doing manipulation work. So we, you know, it's fairly safe. We're fairly happy. We're pretty confident. But again, if your practitioner is doing the right thing and screening things out, 
or if you just don't feel comfortable with having the neck manipulation, which I have a number of clients that just don't like it, we just don't use it. Million and one ways to do things, right? So perfect. Moral of the story, super safe. It's a great option for different cases, but it's a case by case basis. Awesome. That's really good, bro. I like that rapid fire today. Hard rapid fire. It's, you know, it's a pleasure to be back in front with the lads. Honestly, I've missed it. It's good. I hope we can, uh, keep the momentum back and rolling so we can get this rocking. We'll just have to make sure we sort out old Danny's clocks over there. But, uh, right. mate, I'll, I'll see you on the call then at four o'clock. Well, Dan, where's uh, you figured that one out for Savo? Never going to live this down, mate. Never living it down. He's freaking yeah. out already. All right, gents. It's been a pleasure. Thank you as always, everybody. Make sure you are subscribed. And all, as always, if you got some value today, you know, pay the cost, take a screenshot, throw it on the gram, tag us in. We love hearing from you. And uh, otherwise, boys and girls, we will see you next week. See you soon. Thanks, guys. See you, boys. See you, lads.